As we come to your call of mercy As we come to your throne of grace As we come to your throne of mercy It's the sound of our hearts singing praise It's the sound of our hearts Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1. Just as a way of introduction, uh, as we went through Titus, we already talked about how Titus was a pastoral epistle, a pastoral letter, and also 1 and 2 Timothy are pastoral letters. Those three books, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, are known as pastoral epistles. So just way of reminder, Paul the Apostle is the one that's writing this wonderful letter. It even uh, tells you that at the, the start here, you know, the first epistle of Paul the Apostle to Timothy. Um, it's believed that he wrote this around A.D. 63 or A.D. 64. Uh, remember when Paul the Apostle was under house arrest in Rome? Uh, after he left Rome... He went to different churches. One of the churches that he went to after he left uh, Rome, after he was in house arrest, he went to different churches. Ephesus was one of the churches that he uh, revisited, and he was with Timothy. Well, he left Timothy there, and then he went to Macedonia. Paul the Apostle went to Macedonia, so he's writing from Macedonia. So get the picture. Young Timothy's that he's writing to is in Ephesus. He's ministering there. He's a pastor there. And Paul's in Macedonia. And he's writing this letter and he's giving them instruction. He's telling them what to do, basically what not to do, and all kinds of good information. So, so don't miss that picture. You know, there, so there's young Timothy is in Ephesus. He's receiving a letter from Paul the Apostle that's in Macedonia, right? Uh, Second Timothy, though, is, uh, is believed it was written or it was written when Paul the Apostle went back to Rome and he was back in prison. Most of you know this, but for those of you that are new in the faith or you're taking note, uh, when he goes back to Rome, he's not under house arrest the second time. He's in a dungeon. So it's a, you know, worse conditions. And it's believed he wrote Second Timothy from that dungeon. So that's when, you know, that's kind of the timeline, you know, so you know. Uh, the time when all that was going on. So, and when he wrote Second Timothy, it's around AD 66. So those of you that take notes. Another great note to take, if you're a note taker, is that Second Timothy is the last book, the last letter that uh, Paul the Apostle wrote, the very last letter. So when we get to Second Timothy, there's so much, you know, First Timothy, so rich, so good. But even Second Timothy, as, as Paul's getting to the end of his life, he writes uh, so many good things. So we're going to be uh, partaking of all that good stuff that he wrote. Uh, it's a wonderful letter. It's filled with wisdom for all of us. It's filled with great instruction because it's a, uh, a letter to a pastor instructing. Don't think if you're here and saying, you know, well, I'm not a pastor, so I'm not, not going to get much out of this letter. No, there's, <laughs> there's something for all of us. Don't think that. But if you're in ministry of any sort, there's a lot of uh, good instruction here for you in ministry. It's encouraging very good stuff, so let's dig in. Verse 1. So Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our Savior, 
and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice Paul at the beginning, uh, the apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice he says, by the commandment of God. So it's not even a suggestion. It's not something, you know, he'll write sometimes by the will of God. But it's, it's even stronger in this letter saying, I'm commanded to do this. It's, it's nice to know what the Lord has commanded you to do, isn't it? You know, when you know that. Like pastoring uh, the church here, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I've been commanded to do this. You know, for this season, it's a, it, God has instructed me. He's, you know, made it clear through the word of God. He's made it clear through confirmation. And, and it's so comforting to be able to minister and know that you've been, you know, commanded by God to do something. And it, it, it's wonderful. Whenever you're out sharing your faith, well, that's a command. You know, we're commanded to go into all the world. We're commanded to share the gospel and to make disciples of all men. So we're commanded to do that. And it's, so it's awesome when you're sharing your faith and you're sharing evangelizing. It's like, well, I'm commanded to do this. And there, there's a comfort that comes because, you know, we can get beat up sometimes thinking, well, am I, am I supposed to do this? Is this what I'm really supposed to do? So it, it, there's a great comfort in knowing what God has commanded you to do. And Paul the Apostle says he's commanded to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he knows. But notice, he calls Timothy a true son in the faith. I like that. A son in the faith. Paul considered Timothy like a spiritual son to him. He, you know, he didn't have anyone else. He's mentioned that in one of his letters, you know, like like Timothy, someone that he could trust, somebody can, you know, and it's, it's neat to have those type of people in our lives, you know, people that, that we can trust, people we can pour into, people that, that have our, I've mentioned this before, but they, people that have our back and they don't have a knife in their hand, you know, <laughs> there's sometimes, you know, someone says, well, I got your back, but then you look around and there's a knife in their hand, you know, and they're, they're like, well, thanks a lot. You know, I'm glad you got my back. Uh, it's, uh, I'm more concerned about you now than anybody else, but not not Timothy. Timothy was a true son in the faith. Uh, he was a spiritual son. Paul poured into this young man. He discipled him. We're called to make disciples of all men. One of the healthiest things you can do for your spiritual walk is have someone that you can pour into. To have a, a, someone you can disciple. And I and I look around the room and I see, you know, the, there's different people that, that, you know, they have, that's their ministry. They're, they're discipling others. And, it, and it's such a healthy thing for all of us to be able to pour into somebody. You know, God waters us as we water others. And as we're pouring out into people, God pours out into us. And we can become very stagnant if we're not pouring out into somebody. Paul the Apostle had this young man, Timothy, that he could just pour into. He could pour into. And it's, it's so important. Jesus said, Matthew 28, 19, he says, 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. For lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. But, you know, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe the things that that Jesus, you know, showed you. You know, so we're to teach and disciple and to pour in. And it's, it's so important to do that. And Paul has this young Timothy again that he could pour into. He calls him the true son of the faith. Many believe it's because Paul led Timothy to the Lord when he was in Lystra. And I, we don't have the details in scripture. So I, I wish we could go to a scripture and say, well, this is the scripture. But in, in Acts 14, we know that Paul the apostle went to Lystra. Remember when you know, Paul healed the lame man in Lystra? Remember that the, the people wanted to, to sacrifice to, to him, and, uh, him and Barnabas. Remember, they thought they were gods, so they were going to sacrifice to these guys. And Paul stopped it. Paul says, you know, we're men. Don't sacrifice to us, you know. And, and then, you know, what happened? Remember, they turned around and they stoned Paul. They, and they stoned him and he was laid there dead, practically. They thought he was dead and they dragged him out of the city. That was Lystra. And, and I'm sure Timothy, you know, Timothy was from Lystra. So Timothy probably saw this and, you know, and got connected to Paul. And many believe that's when Timothy ended up becoming a believer through that. And I think of that, that whole story in Lystra and how, you know, put yourself in Paul the Apostle's shoes. You're, you're witnessing to these people. You know, somebody gets healed. They're sacrificing to you. <laughs> they're, they're, they're calling you a God. And, and, you know, I put myself in his shoes. And I think maybe I might, have, I might have possibly put a little bit of a twist. Now that I got all their attention. And they think I'm a God. And I say, well, well, listen to this. I, I'm not God. But there's a true living God. But, you know, and, and, but, but Paul knew that it was wrong for them to sacrifice to him. But I could just see that could have been a huge temptation. And through it, quite possibly, that's when Timothy came to faith in the Lord. So he calls him a true son in the faith. Notice his greeting again in, in verse 2. Uh, his typical greeting, grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, uh, we pointed this out in Titus already, but I want to point this out again. Typically, uh, he doesn't put mercy in there. When he, all of his greetings and all of his other letters, uh, Paul the Apostle puts grace and peace from God. He doesn't put mercy in there. The only time we find mercy in there is in the, the, in the uh, pastoral epistles. And then he puts mercy. Why, we don't know. It doesn't say why he does that. But, you know, for me, I think maybe pastors need extra mercy. I, this is, <laughs> and those in leadership need extra mercy. Those that are ministering need that extra mercy. And I thought that's fascinating. And I remember the first time someone pointed it out to me. It's like, I circled that. I still have it circled in my Bible. I'm like, I like that. We need mercy. And when you're in leadership, you need extra mercy, I believe. So Paul's saying, he's not giving them the, just the typical greeting, but he's saying grace, mercy, and peace. May the mercy of God be with you, Timothy. In verse three, as I urged you, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Paul urges him to remain in Ephesus. I find this fascinating the way it reads, because 
you know, remain, he's telling them to stay. That word remain means stay there. Don't leave. Hang in there, basically. And what I, I believe right off the bat, what Paul is saying is, whatever you do, don't leave Ephesus. You're, you know, you're pastoring there. It's tough. You, you have to make corrections. You've got to do all kinds of, of, of things that are against your character. You know, Timothy was a very timid man, it's believed, as you read through Scripture. And so it, this is going to be difficult for you, Timothy, but hang in there. Don't give up. Remain. And I believe that's what he's urging him to do. You know, he's, he's telling him, it's going to be tough, but hang in there. And that's a great exhortation for people that are in ministry is, you know, hang in there. You're always going to have difficult, difficult times when you're serving the Lord. You're, you have to expect it. I know we've talked about that before, but there's that, that tendency or there's that, that temptation to say, well, I, I'm going to give up. And that's what I believe is going on here. He's telling him, don't give up. Stay in Ephesus. Don't, don't leave that place. It's going to be tough. But, but he's saying, I urge you. Remember what I told you before. I'm, I'm urging you. Remain there. Hang in there. There is an ad that appeared in the, the London newspaper that reads like this. I'm going to read this to you. It says, men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger. Safe return, doubtful. <laughs> Sounds good, huh? Honor and recognition in case of success. And you know, thousands of men responded to that ad. They said, you know, hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months in complete darkness, constant danger. And, and thousands of people responded to the ad. And the reason why, it's because it was, it was signed by a noted explorer named Ernest Shackleton. And because this man was very noted, and you know, people knew this man, you know, they, they signed up and they said, I want to go. Thousands wanted to go. And, and I think through that, I think about the fact that, you know, the ministry, you know, sometimes there's, you know, difficult roads. There's, there's things that, that, that can take place. There, you could be misunderstood. There's a, all kinds of things that can happen. But guess what? We're on the team, on Jesus's team. And what greater team is there to be on? There, there's no better team to, to, to be on than the, the team, you know, the winning side. And many times you don't have any reward this side of eternity. The reward is many times you're not going to see it until you, until you enter into eternity, until you enter into heaven. And I believe as Paul's urging Timothy, saying you're going to have to do some heavy duty things there in Ephesus. But I charge you, I urge you, remain in Ephesus and that you may charge some back in verse three, that they teach no other doctrine or give heed to fables or endless genealogies. He's urging them to stay there, but he's also telling them to, you know, correct false doctrine. There's going to be false teachers. And, and I want you to correct that. And, you know, think, think through this again. Timothy is timid. Timothy's not, you know, one of those, he's not a Paul the apostle. He's not this bold man. And so Paul's getting behind him saying, you're, you're going to have to correct these people. You're going to have to do things that, that's outside of your comfort zone. You're going to be stretched. This isn't, this is going to be hard for you, but I want you to, you know, make sure they don't teach any other doctrine. I, I want you to, you know, confront those false teachers. I want you to make sure they're not, you know, taking heed to these fables and these stories and, and all these other things. And, you know, I want you to 
you know, correct these things. And it's, it's not an easy thing for, for young Timothy. I'll tell you, I am so blessed that when I was a baby Christian that, you know, God surrounded me with mature believers. And I look back at that. I'm just so blessed, you know, because the ones that the Lord had around me, they would correct me right away. They'd say, no, that's not, that's not scriptural. That's, and then constantly, you know, I would, you know, if I was even going a little bit off, they were right there to say, no, 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 no. It's, you know, that's, that's not. And they would point me to the word and they would point me to Jesus. And I look back and I'm like, Lord, thank you. But it's, it was almost like when I was a baby Christian, the Lord put me on fast forward. I just excelled, you know, and it's like I, I learned within like a year or two, just just so much correction and so much. And you know, I was just surrounded by by people that were just, you know, walked with the Lord for for many years. And, and I received that correction. I remember a couple of times, though, you know, when I when I thought I had it right or something. And then and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is the way, you know, I think the Lord's showing me. And this is what they, and then they, they would still correct me and say, no, that's wrong. And I remember sometimes I'd even get prideful. I'd say, well, you know, don't tell me what to do. You know, it's like, you know, it's almost like a spiritual pride. It's like, cause I, I'm almost positive. This is right. This is of God. And, and, and then they would correct me. And then in love. And I remember sometimes even get a little upset, but then as months went by, I was like, wow, they were right again. And I was hoping that they were wrong. So I could say, see, I'm right this time. And Timothy's called to do that. He's called to, to make those corrections with false teachers and those that are going around just bring, you know, bringing a bunch of you know, stories and fables and all that kind of garbage. Like, Correct all that. I remember having the youth group in Michigan. And I, I remember going to different events with different churches and stuff. You know, and, and sometimes they'd have a teacher that would say something that's just, you know, it wasn't scripturally correct and stuff. And I was so protective over my, at first I was like, I'm not taking them anywhere. I'm not going to go, you know, we're just going to stay in our little group. You know And I'm thinking? Well, they need to get out. They need to go to these events. So what I would do is I would bring them to these events, but then I would just take note. If the, the teacher was saying something that wasn't scriptural, that wasn't matching up with other scriptural, you know, it would just, you know, it would be a time we would learn. We'd after the, the event, we'd all get together. Come on, everybody, let's, let's get together. And then I would, you know, ask them, say, okay, Okay, did you hear what so-and-so said about this? And, and the kids were so smart. They're like, yeah, and they're raising their hand. Yeah, that, that's not right. And I said, why wasn't that right? And they said, well, you know, it doesn't line up with scripture because the scripture says this and that. I was like, there you go. Very good. And the other kids would be looking like, why are we doing this? And I was like, well, we, we want to make sure we're scriptural. We want to make sure that we're, you know, we don't have false teaching stuck in our head. We need to, you know, combat that with truth. Eat the watermelon, but let's spit out the seeds. You know, let's. Timothy's being called by Paul to do that, to make the corrections. Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And it's true, a little bit of false teaching. You can get a, a little twist in there and a little, a little, you know, a little bit of falseness in there and it, and it corrupts. Verse 5, now the purpose, Paul's writing, of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Here Paul's reminding Timothy it's all about love. 
love that's from a heart that's been purified by the Lord, love that's from a conscience that's been cleansed by the Lord, love from a, from a sincere faith. You're just trusting in the Lord. And he's reminding him the purpose of the commandment is love. Dealing with false teachers, you know, the, when you're dealing with those that are, are twisting scripture or they're taking scriptures out of context, many times, if, you, if the ones that I've dealt with, it's just there's no love there. There's it's arguments and debates, and it's, it's not out of love. And he's saying, okay, you know, correct them and, and correct these things, but, but don't forget the purpose of the commandment is love. And, and let's, you know, it's a reminder for us the, the importance of love. Even when we're correcting others, maybe that are, are off. And then, you know, it's all about love. When that lawyer went to Jesus in Matthew 22 and, and he asked him, what is the greatest commandment in, in the law? And you remember what Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, with all your soul and with all your might, with all your heart, you're right, with all your soul and with all your might. And he says, this is the greatest commandment. The second is like it. And you should love your as yourself. And that's the greatest. And then he went on to say, on these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. And as he's writing young Timothy, this letter, he's saying, you know, I want you to do all this correction. I want you to, you know, make sure you're pastoring right and you're, you're uprooting this false stuff. But it's all should be, all this should be motivated out of love. And to remind them that, that it needs to be about love. Turn with me if you can. Let's go to Galatians. To, I want to, the fruit of the spirit is love, but I, I want to look at that. I want to, Galatians chapter five, verse 22. As Paul's reminding young Timothy, this is a great reminder for us as, we, as we're in ministry, we're in the church, we're dealing with others, we're, we're dealing with people in the world and the, the greatest is, is love. And this is what love looks like. Galatians five, verse 22. But he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, singular. And then this is the manifestation of it. This is how it's going to show joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There's no law. And the reminder for us that the motivation of our lives, the the you know, God is love. And, and when we're in the spirit, when we're one with the Lord, this is what's going to manifest out of our life. There, there's going to be joy that's going to manifest out of our life. There's going to be peace that's going to manifest out of our life. There's going to be that long suffering or patience that's going to manifest out of our life. There's going to be kindness that's going to come out of our life. There's going to be goodness and faithfulness, gentleness that's going to be in our lives. There's going to be self-control. So it's a reminder for Timothy, but it's also a reminder for us. You know, if we start dealing with certain things that, that are going on that God has us to deal with, and we're doing it out of anger, we're doing it out of frustration, we're doing it out of this, that, or the other, and we look to this grid and we're like, whoa, whoa, I, I'm not motivated by love. This isn't love that's coming out of my life. And that's when we should stop and we should say, Lord, forgive me. Wait a second. This is robbing my joy. This is robbing my peace, Lord. I, I've got no patience with this, Lord. I'm not being kind, Lord. I'm not being good even a little bit in this, Lord. I'm not being, you know, I don't have this faithfulness or this gentleness. And I certainly don't have self-control. And it's when we stop at that point and we say, God, 
I'm out of the spirit. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And it should bring us to that place as Timothy's being exhorted that, wait a second, we should be in the spirit as we deal with anything that the Lord will have us to deal with. So let's go back. Can you please? Verse six, and he goes on, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desire to be teachers of the law, again, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So he's saying, you know, some have strayed from, from the love. Some have strayed from, you know, there's, there's, there's false teachers and, and they've turned aside and they have idle talk. The idle talk, that word means vain talking or empty talking. They're, in other words, just talking, 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 but it's just empty. So it's a reminder for us. the throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now... May we continue to go to his throne of mercy as he changes us from glory to glory. As we come to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise.